right. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's so good to see each and every one of you. My name is, is Pastor Jeff, and uh, my wife, Christy, and I uh, pastor Skyline Church, and with an amazing, amazing, amazing team of people, which we call our dream team, um, they, they help make everything possible, everything you see today, everything that got set up, every everything. They're, they're watching your kids. They're changing diapers. They're, they're, doing, they're out in the parking lot doing all that. We have an amazing team of people that, that make Skyline Church possible, and so we're, we're so grateful for them, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you for being here and, and celebrating Easter with us. Really quickly, before, before we do anything else, you got, a, um, you got this, this survey card with you. I'm going to ask every single person right now just to get that out, because one of the things that, that we want to make sure we're doing with um with Skyline Church is that we're um, when we're teaching when we're when we're going through series and things that we're teaching on and 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 that I'm teaching on and other people we want to make sure it passes the um we'll call it the who cares test um, and that you actually get a say in that and so we're we're gonna so we're gonna do some of this card now and then we're actually gonna take this card out later in service and do something else with it but. On the one side of it that says the annual Easter survey 2018, we would like some feedback from you. And so there's essentially what we want to know is what you would like to hear about. Um, if you're going to be in church and if, if church can talk to you about some things, there are some options there, some pre-filled ones. You say, hey, I want to hear about that or, or hear about that. But there's also a blank there. You could say, hey, none of the things I want to hear about are listed here are some things that I would. I really wish the church, the church doesn't talk about this, and it should. Or the church needs to address this, or needs to talk. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give everyone like you got like 30 seconds or so, and I'm just gonna ask you to kind of mark some boxes or write something in there because what we're gonna do with all of this information right here is later on in the year we're gonna take the top four or five responses, the things that kind of jump to the top, and we're gonna talk about them. We're, we're, we're gonna create a series called "You Asked for It." Because that's essentially what you're doing. You're asking for it. So we're going to do a series called You Asked For It. And we're going to take the top responses. And the reason we do this on Easter Sunday is because we get to see so many of you all. I, I don't ever get to get everyone in the same room on the same weekend. But I do right now. And so I'm going to take advantage of it. And I'm going to learn from you. And we want to know how we can better serve you and, and, and help teach and preach with what the church should be doing. So, so fill that out. And then, like I said, don't, don't discard that thing. We're, we're going to come back to that card um, a little bit later in service uh, for something else. But I wanted to make sure that we did that because we, we want to make sure that, that you actually care about some of the things that we're, we're talking about here at Skyline Church. So, so glad that you are here and that you're, that you're celebrating Easter, Resurrection Sunday. You know, historically for the church, that's, that's what this Sunday is called. It's called Resurrection Sunday. Why? Because we're, we're celebrating the, the resurrection of Jesus. And I, I, I think, I love calling it that. I, 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 Easter's fun, um, but I love calling it Resurrection Sunday because I think it brings to the forefront the most important part, the most important thing of what we, what we celebrate today. We, we are celebrating life. And not, not just life, but we're celebrating new life. We're celebrating resurrected life, like life that was dead, but now it's, it's alive again. We, we celebrate life where there had been death. And so we, we celebrate hope where there was seemingly no hope. We celebrate victory where there was seemingly defeat. 
We celebrate triumph when, when it seemed like everything wasn't going the way it needed to go. We, we celebrate that today. And honestly, what we're doing is we're celebrating the gospel. And if that word is confusing, that word simply means, literally means good news. The church should always be bringing good news. That's what we're, that's what we're for. And so that's really what I want to talk to us about today for just a little bit. I want to talk to us about some good news, good news for you, for your family, for your kids, for your marriage, for your career, for your finances, for your emotions, just, just good news all around. And so what, as I was preparing this week and, and leading up to this Sunday, I got to thinking about, like, um, I wanted to do, I, I, I'm hoping you all will take just a small little journey with me this morning. Um, and what I want to do is I, I want to take a look at, from Scripture, uh, two deaths and two resurrections. And I want to compare them a little bit because I, I think that in doing so, we're, we're going to find some things. And if you're willing, I want to invite you on, a, on just a little bit of a journey with me. And the reality is, is for many of us, um, I don't know what your, what your religious background is. I don't know what your church history is. I, I, I don't know all of those things. But what I do know is that the God we serve is alive and active. And that he wants to speak. And I believe that he wants to speak to you today. And so I'm believing that if you'll, if you'll lean in for just the next 15 or 20 minutes and, and engage and, and participate, you can jot some things down if you want. To. We've got an, a whole app that you can download and fill out notes in there. But I just want to encourage you to lean in a little bit because I think if you'll come on this journey with me that we're going to encounter Jesus, his spirit, his presence, and his heart toward you. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do. So, so we're going to go on a little journey. So one of the very last things that we see recorded in Scripture, um, and we, when we're going to read a little bit from John 11, but what we see is that the very last miracle recorded of Jesus um, is, is the resurrection of a man named Lazarus. Now this takes place just before Jesus gets ready to go to Jerusalem and be tried and crucified and buried, and leads us right into, right into the day we're celebrating today. So this is the very last miracle of Jesus recorded in Scripture before he is, is actually crucified. And I think keeping in mind of, of, of where it's placed and what it's right next to, that, that this death and resurrection is, is, is right up against Jesus' very own, I think is, is important. So I just wanted to compare them just a little bit because I think that we can learn some things from it. So we're going to pick up in John, John chapter 11, read a couple of verses. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so this man Lazarus is sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, we don't have time to read it, but essentially what they do is, is they send word to Jesus and they say, hey, um, we, uh, your friend Lazarus is sick. Will you come? We need you to come. Like, because we've seen you heal people before, and, and so our brother is sick, would you come? And so Jesus gets word, and Scripture actually tells us that when Jesus found out, he didn't do anything for two days. He, he didn't leave, he didn't go, he just stayed right where he was for two days, and he's talking with his disciples, and he's trying to get them to understand something, and they're like, hey, well, if Lazarus is sick, you can make him better, or maybe Lazarus has just fallen asleep, and when we get there, we can wake him up, and so Jesus is finally like, okay, you're not getting it. So in verse 14, it says this. It says, he told them plainly, because they weren't paying attention. Look, Lazarus is dead. You're not getting it. Lazarus is dead. And I love this. He says, for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there. 
Now that, that sounds, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Like, Jesus, why are you glad that you weren't there? And he says, look, because Jesus has something in mind even greater than just healing Lazarus. And so he says, look, for your sake, I'm glad that we didn't get there before we died. Like, I'm glad that I was here with you, and now we're going to go and, and see what's happening there. And so he goes, and, and they get there, and they, they begin to interact with the family. But I just want to compare a couple of things as we look at this story. The, the first thing, if, you, if you're jotting it down, is that Lazarus dies. He dies unwillingly from, from some kind of sickness. Like, we don't know all the ins and outs. Uh, we, we, we don't know what happened to him, but... Lazarus dies a fairly normal death. Um, he, 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 nothing out of the ordinary. He gets sick. He, he, he's, he lays ill for a few days, and then he passes. Like, death came for Lazarus in a, in, under pretty regular circumstances. But what we're going to find out later is that life came calling for Lazarus in, in a pretty extraordinary way. So, so Lazarus dies unwillingly. He, he, he gets sick as he's doing this. And then as we begin to compare that with Jesus, again, Jesus spent a lot of time. He's trying to help his disciples, trying to help his people, his followers understand what he's doing, like what he's up to. And Jesus has been telling them over and over and over again, like, look, I have to die. Like, they're going to try me. They're going to convict me. They're going to crucify me. But it's necessary. And he says, hey, don't worry about it because I... I'm then going to, I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to defeat the grave on the third day. I'll, I'll rise. So if we, we go back to John chapter 10 and Jesus is trying to explain this to his disciples and he says, he says it this way. He says, look, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, no one takes it from me. Like you can't, Jesus says, look, you can't take my life, but, but I lay it down out of my own accord, like I have the authority to not only lay down my life and, and give it up, but I also have the authority to rise again, to, to take it back again. And so while Lazarus dies this unwilling death from sickness, Jesus willingly lays down his life in the process. Jesus is willingly, so, so while physical death came to Lazarus in a very ordinary way, Physical death for Jesus came in a pretty extraordinary form. It came in the form of me. It, it came in the form of my sin. It, it came in the form of, of my guilt and, and my shame. But unlike Lazarus and unlike you and I, death has to submit to Jesus. Jesus does, like, death can say, hey, Jesus, I'm ready to take you. And Jesus goes, no, 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 you, you don't take my life. I'm laying it down. And not only do I have the authority to lay down my life, but I also have the authority to, to take it back up again because Christ once and for all laid down his life. He willingly tasted death so that I wouldn't have to. Jesus willingly went to the cross to pay for me. And so now we go back to, we go back to John chapter 11 and we, and we pick up where Lazarus is. And so G Jesus is there and he's, he's talking with with the family, he gets with them, and he gets into town, is talking, and, and I love it, we, we, I didn't put it in here, but did you know that the shortest verse in scripture exists in this chapter? And so Jesus is, Jesus shows up, Lazarus is dead, the family's mourning, friends are mourning, and, and, and he, has a, he has an interesting conversation with, the, with his, Lazarus's sisters. And basically what they both say to Jesus is, if you had shown up earlier, this wouldn't have happened. 
Like, if you would have been on time, if you would have gotten here when we asked you to get here, we wouldn't be in this place. And maybe you've had a similar conversation with God like that before. Like, God, if you would have shown up earlier, this would not have happened. And I just want to tell you, look, God is big enough to handle your frustration. Like, if you're angry, you're upset, I, I, I dare you to say, Jesus, why didn't you show up earlier? It's too late. It, 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 he's gone. But in this, the, in verse 35 is the shortest verse. So Jesus shows up. They're mourning, they're grieving. It says he observed that they were just, they were crying. They were sad. And Jesus, Jesus just simply gets next to them. In verse 35 is two words. It just simply says that Jesus wept. Even though Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew that he was getting ready to raise this man to life from death. But he doesn't look at their sadness and say, get over it. You shouldn't deal with that. Like, don't feel those things. Because I think for many of us, maybe we grew up in a home or maybe we grew up in a church where, like, we don't talk about sadness. We don't talk about anger. We don't talk about those things. Look, Jesus doesn't say any of that. He just sits beside them and weeps. And so if you find yourself and maybe you find yourself in a place in life where you, you're just weeping, just know that Jesus is right there next to you. With, with compassion. And so he, he's there. And, the, and so then he, he goes on to say, so now we'll pick up in verse 38. It says, Jesus once more deeply moved. He comes to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he says, take away the stone. And, but Lord Martha said, like the, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's, there's going to be a bad odor. For he has been in there for four days. Like you don't, you don't want to go in there. You don't want to open that up. It's, gonna, it's not going to be good if you do that. And, and four days is really significant uh, for them. So in Jewish custom, in, in the Jewish culture back then, there was a belief that for three days that, that the soul would, would hover over the body of somebody for three days. And so if, if by chance or by miracle something happened in the first three days that the soul would still be there to, to kind of reconnect with the body, but now we're on day four. Hope is gone. Like, there, there's no chance. Like, Jesus, what in the world? Even if you speak to Lazarus, it doesn't even really matter. Like, it's, it's too far gone. Like, if Jesus, if you'd shown up sooner, if you'd gotten here when, when we asked you to, if you'd, it would translate a little bit for us, like, God, if you had intervened in my broken relationship earlier, something might have happened. If you had shown up in this circumstance where I needed you, maybe there, things could have changed. But now it's too late. I just want to tell you that, that Jesus excels at defying your expectations. Jesus excels at, at the impossible. He, he is triumphant in darkness and in hopelessness. And so look, Jesus goes on and says, did I not tell you that if you'll just believe, you're going to see the glory of God? And so, so they took away the stone. And I, I just want to encourage somebody today that mo more often than not, the greatest movement of God in your life comes when you've moved to a place of believing that God, not even you can do anything here. When, when you've gotten to a place and said, God, not even you can intervene, not even you can change this. It's when we get there that, that the greatest movement of God normally takes place in our lives. And so Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you've sent me. And so when he said this, 
I love this. It says, Jesus called out in a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out. And so Jesus looks at the tomb and, and he calls to this dead man, Lazarus, he says, come out. And so again, as we're, we're comparing a little bit, we understand that Lazarus was, was called out of the tomb. Like, Lazarus didn't do it himself. He didn't have the strength. He didn't have the authority. He didn't have the power. He, he had to be called upon to come out of the tomb. This dead man had to be called back to life to walk out of the grave. And you see, but because nobody called Jesus out of the tomb, but by the Holy Spirit, he defeated the grave, Jesus has all the authority in the world. Romans 8.11 says this, like, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. So Lazarus was called out of the tomb. Jesus defeats the grave. Lazarus had to be called out. Nobody called Jesus out. Jesus simply defeats the grave. That's why Jesus has the authority to call dead things to life. He has the power and the authority to call out to things that are dead, things that we think are buried, things that we think are hopeless, things that we think are lost, things that I have given up on. Jesus looks at those things and he says, come out, because he has the power and the authority to do it. The grave is not where you belong. Only the one who has defeated the grave has the authority to call things out of the grave. Only the one who's defeated death has the authority to call things from death into life. And I'm telling you that there are some circumstances and situations in your life that you do not have the power or the authority to call out from death. There are circumstances and relationships and situations, emotions, financial burdens that, that you have buried, that you have said are gone. Uh, I can't do anything about this. I have given up on this. I don't have any hope for this circumstance or for this situation because it's, it's too far gone. Jesus has the authority and the power to call those things to life, to change where you are. And so Lazarus gets up out of the tomb, and, and he's got his grave clothes on. You know, he's, he's been completely prepared for burial. You know, when, when he died, they, they wrapped him up, and they put everything on him, and they, they put oil on him, and, and did all these things and prepared him. All the necessary things have been done. He'd been wrapped and dressed with the appropriate death and burial clothes. And so, but but all of a sudden he hears the voice of his Savior calling out to him. And so life comes back into Lazarus' body and he, he jumps up and he stumbles out of the tomb. And, and as he does, he, he actually still has all of these garments on. Verse 44, we'll pick back up. It says, look, the dead man came out and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So he comes out, he stumbles out. I can only imagine, only imagine what Lazarus is thinking. But he stumbles out and he's got all these grave clothes on. So then Jesus looks at him and says, hey, he doesn't need those grave clothes anymore. Like those clothes of death, those things that he's wrapped in, like take all of those things off of him. He is no longer dead, but he is alive. He doesn't need to walk around in, in grave clothes anymore. So again, as we're comparing and contrasting and looking, we understand that Lazarus comes out of the tomb and he still has his grave clothes on. He, he comes back to life but is still walking around in the clothes of death when he comes out. And so for many of us, maybe we've heard the call of Jesus before to come from death into life. 
We've, we've experienced that before, but, but when we stepped out of death, when we stepped back into life and we stepped out of the grave, we came out with our grave clothes on with old habits and hurts and hang-ups and scars and grudges and everything else. And so not only did Jesus call Lazarus to new life, but he also doesn't want Lazarus to walk around in death anymore. You see, you can be very much physically alive, but still be walking around in death. And so Jesus says, hey, take those things off of him. He doesn't need those anymore. And now we fast forward a little bit to, to, to Jesus' resurrection. So uh, Jesus has been crucified. He's, he's died. He's been buried. On the third day, all of his disciples begin to, they hear a rumor that, that the tomb is empty. And, and so they're like, someone stole Jesus' body. We don't know what to do, even though Jesus has been telling them, they're going to crucify me, I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. They've missed it. And so they go running to the tomb. John and Peter, two of Jesus' disciples, go running to the tomb to see what's happened. And this is the account that we read in John chapter 20. It says, then Simon Peter came along behind him, who's John, and they went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there. As well as the cloths that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in his place separate from the linen. Jesus, Jesus was mindful enough that when he defeated death and defeated the grave, he took off his grave clothes and folded them up and left them there. You see, Lazarus, Lazarus came out with the grave clothes on. Jesus removes all of those things and comes out of the grave because Jesus is not going to need any more grave clothes. You see, Lazarus at some point later in life is going to need to wear grave clothes again. Like, death was temporarily stayed for Lazarus. But with Jesus, death has been utterly and completely defeated. That's, that's why Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, he can quote the Old Testament... He can quote the Old Testament and say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It doesn't exist because Jesus defeated it. The grave has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Because in Jesus' name, death has no victory. It has been completely laid to waste. So Jesus... Jesus doesn't need those death clothes anymore. And as we, uh, just, just this last thing, I, I kind of want to close, close this message with this thought. Lazarus' resurrection demonstrates Jesus' authority in this life. You see, Jesus was able to call in this life something that was dead and call it back to life. We see Jesus do this throughout the Gospels over and over and over again. We see Jesus heal. We, we see Jesus uh, calls lame people to walk, blind people to see over and over and over again. But in this last miracle recorded, we see the ultimate authority that Jesus has in this life. He can call something that's been dead for days to walk out of the tomb. But as we begin to compare it and we look at it, we say, well, well that was Lazarus' resurrection. What about Jesus's? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin. I like to personalize it a little bit. And made him sin for me. So that in him, we might become the righteousness. I might become the righteousness of God. 
on the cross and in the resurrection, there's a permanent and beautiful exchange that took place. Jesus took my place. Here's what's crazy. Not only did Jesus take my place, he lets me take his. He, he takes the place of a sinner so that I can take the place of, of the righteous one. And so there, there's, there's an exchange that takes place, and my shame and my guilt, my sin, my death were all exchanged on the cross. It was taken and it was laid on Jesus. Like he became my sin so that I could become his righteousness. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the gospel right there. If you hear nothing else, Christ suffered once for the sins of the world so that you could be brought to God. But it doesn't end there. We, 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 we keep on going. It's, and he, he was put to death in the body, but we are made alive in the spirit. So Lazarus' resurrection demonstrates Jesus' authority in this life, but his own resurrection demonstrates his authority over eternity. Not only does Jesus have all the authority here on earth, but Jesus also has authority over eternity. And so perhaps today, you've never stepped from death into life. Maybe, maybe you've heard the call of Jesus before saying, hey, come out. That's not what you're meant for. You're, you're not designed to walk around in death. You're designed to walk around in life. And maybe, maybe you've never entered into a life-giving and eternity-changing relationship with Jesus. I would say Jesus, in the same way that he calls out to Lazarus, calls out to you today. Come forth. But also perhaps there's, there's, there's some things that you've buried. Maybe there, there are some situations, some circumstances, some things that you, have, that you have deemed are dead, some things that you have deemed are hopeless, uh, that it's too far gone, nothing can change it, nothing can save it. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's, it's your marriage, maybe it's your, your family, a child, your finances, a, 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 a report, a health report from the doctor, a hurt a grudge, some bitterness, an addiction. And you said, I've buried that. It's too far gone. God, not even you can do anything about this. Jesus calls out to that circumstance and says, hey, come to life. Nothing is too far gone. Nothing is too far buried. Take those grave clothes off and step into You see, so what, in that story of, of Jesus raising Lazarus, and we'll kind of we'll end on this, this verse right here, but he's talking with them, and he's talking to Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, and he's trying to comfort them, and he says, hey, you're going to see your brother again. And he knows that he's getting ready to, to raise him. And they look at Jesus and they say, yeah, we, we know that we're going to see him again. You know, we know at the, end of, at, at the end of all days, you know, there's going to be a resurrection. We'll see him there. And Jesus just simply responds says, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. 
You don't, you don't have to wait. I am the resurrection. And the, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he just asks a simple question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I can not only do this, but do you believe I am who I say I am? And so here's, here's how I want us to close our, our experience and, and our time together. You got, um, you got a couple of things when, when you came in today. Uh, you got a communion cup. And if you didn't, I want to make sure that you get one. But because we're going to celebrate communion here, it's very fitting that we do this the first Sunday of every month. But Easter also happens to be the first first Sunday of this month. So we're going to celebrate communion together. And I actually need one if, if, if someone, if one of you all wouldn't mind giving me one. Um, thank you, sir. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion together, but along with that, you got a tag when you came in. Um, and we've got pens if you need a pen, but as we wrap up this Easter experience together, and we take communion and we reflect, I want you to do a little, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and stretch you a little bit. Like I said, I think God wants to speak to some people today. And I want you to, to begin to think and eventually write down on that tag what you're believing God for in Jesus' name. That's what we've, we've got these walls up here that just simply say, I'm believing God for in Jesus' name. And so as we celebrate communion and we reflect I'm praying that that you're going to write down not something simple, maybe something you've buried, something you've lost hope in, a relationship, health, your job, your career, whatever it might be that you've said, God, not even you can do anything here. This church is going to believe alongside with you that in Jesus' name, He's going to call some things to life in you. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to, we're going to take communion together. So you can, you can open the, the top and the cup. If, you will take, if you'll take the bread and hold that, we'll take it together if you'll hold it with us. So on the night that our Lord was betrayed, before he went to the cross, he was sitting with his disciples. And scripture calls it the Last Supper. But he's sitting there. He took some bread. And Jesus was always really great at taking very simple things and communicating profound truth with it. And so he took the bread and he's talking to his disciples and said, hey, this bread represents something. It represents my body. And this body is going to be broken for you so that you do not have to be broken. I'm going to go to the cross and die so that you don't have to. So he took the bread and, and he broke it and he passed it to all of his disciples. And he said, take it and eat it. 
So while they were sitting there eating dinner, Jesus took the cup and again communicated some profound truth with something very simple. He said this cup represents a new covenant, a new relationship that's going to be sealed in my blood. He said my blood is going to be shed for the remission, for the washing away, the, the forgiving of all sin. Jesus, that's what we celebrate today. Not only did you die for us, but you raised to new life for us. And so he took took the cup and he passed it and he said, take it and drink it all. So here's here's what I want to do to end end our time. You can can go ahead and grab, grab, grab your seat again. 